Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. I would be very, very surprised indeed if you could hear anything I'm saying to you very clearly because it's extremely noisy. Uh, What's going on? Well, I'm on a train and I'm in a toilet. How? Why? Well, obviously I'm in a toilet on a train, which is quite cool because it, uh, well, it's not that cool really. It's, uh, I'm in a train toilet. It's slightly disgusting. It's a bit smelly and it's quite noisy in here. Um, I hope that you can actually hear this. Um, what's going on? Well, not only is this the first time that I've ever recorded um, an episode of Luke's English Podcast on a train, it's also the first time I've ever recorded an episode in a toilet, and I'm doing both of those things uh, for the first time today, so it's a kind of a particularly special episode just for those two reasons already. Um, why am I on a train, and why am I in the toilet? Well, normally when you go to the toilet, you go to urinate or something, but no, that's not the way I operate. I needed a place to record uh, this episode of Luke's English Podcast and maybe unwisely I chose to do it in the toilet. Um, No, it's just I'm busy and I wanted to just take a couple of minutes out of my journey to talk to you. And what's going on? All right, I'm, I'm on a train to Normandy in the north of France. I'm going to a place called Caen. I think that's how you pronounce it, Caen. And it's uh, a town in Normandy, and there today, on the 6th of June, um, today there's a huge commemoration for the 70th anniversary of D-Day. D-Day, of course, is um, when the Allied troops um, landed on the beaches of Normandy in a huge invasion uh, as a way of fighting back against the Nazis and ultimately liberating Europe. Okay, uh, it was perhaps the most important principal day in World War II uh, on the European front. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. You probably know all about D-Day. Anyway, today there is a huge commemoration going on in Caen, and um, world leaders are there. Everyone's there. Everyone's going to Caen today. It's, it's only a small town, really, but today thousands and thousands of people are going there in order to commemorate D-Day including people such as the Queen, she's going to be there, Um, Barack Obama will be there, Vladimir Putin, Um, Francois Hollande, the French uh, president, they're all going to be there, and of course Luke from Luke's English Podcast, I'll be there too, so all the biggest names in the world will be uh, in Caen today. I'm including myself in that list of famous people, but you know, there you go. Not only that, though, also the the great stand-up comedian Eddie Izzard will be there too, and he's performing three shows um, 
in Cole this evening. He's doing uh, an hour of stand-up comedy in English, then he's doing another hour of stand-up comedy in French, and then he's doing another hour after that in uh, German. And that's all part of the uh, commemorations that are going on. Any money that's generated from his ticket sales will be going to charity. Um, so I'm going there to see Eddie Izzard's show, but I'm also going to take part in what's going on in Caen today. All right, and I just wanted to tell you about it. It's quite a, it's qu it means quite a lot to me this day for several reasons. Obviously because I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy and I love Eddie Izzard. He's one of my favorite comedians and a big inspiration to me. But also because of what's going on regarding the D-Day anniversary. Um, it's important to point out that it's not a celebration of D-Day, it's a commemoration. We're not celebrating D-Day because it was one of the worst things that's ever happened, really. Uh, but we are commemorating it because it's worth remembering what happened because it was such a momentous occasion. Um, it also means something special to me because my grandfather, my granddad, who is still alive at the age of 93, Dennis, he um, was actually one of the soldiers who landed on the beach um, in Normandy. He landed, I think it was at Sword Beach um, on D-Day. So he actually landed on, on D-Day and he was one of the soldiers who went all the way through. He, he fought lots of battles in Caen himself. Um, so for me going there, it feels kind of special because I'm in a way paying my respects to my granddad who fought um, in Normandy and in France and into the Netherlands. He fought for my freedom, he fought for my right to be able to talk to you now and to do Luke's English podcast and things like that. He basically fought for my freedom. So I owe a lot to my granddad, Dennis, and so um, that's why it means a lot to me to go there. Um, right, I think that I'm going to stop recording now because I expect that A, it's too noisy for you to hear what I'm saying, and B, there might be someone standing outside who wants to take a piss. All right, so I don't want to annoy anyone, so I'm going to stop now. I'll probably talk to you again a little bit later about D-Day and about the Eddie Izzard gig, and just I'll try and make recordings during the next uh, 24 hours just to keep you up to date on what's going on, and hopefully this will be like my little uh, D-Day diary or whatever. Um, it should be quite a crazy weekend because there's lots of stuff happening, lots of different types of commemoration, lots of English people, American people, Canadians, uh, there will be German people, there are obviously lots of French people there too, all sorts of people from all around the world. Everyone is in Colm this weekend. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I hope to keep you up to date by recording little entries like this as I go. Right, I'm going to stop now because I'm sure there's someone outside. There's probably a very angry Frenchman waiting to use the toilet. So uh, I'd better stop recording. Okay, so I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Okay, so I have now arrived in Caen. I think that's, again, I think that's how it's pronounced. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Caen. Spelt C-A-E-N. Caen. Anyway, um, I've arrived. Uh, there was no one waiting for me to leave the toilet, so no one's angry. Everything's fine. Everything's good. It's all good in Caen. Um, beautiful sunshine. It's a nice warm day. Normandy's a beautiful part of the world. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's lovely in Normandy. They've got, well, obviously they've got the beaches and stuff, but it's a, 
just sort of a lovely place to be when the sun's shining. They have nice rolling green countryside with um, hedgerows and things and um, nice coastline and also you can uh, drink the local cider which is delicious. You know cider, it's that alcohol made from apples. Very lovely stuff. Nice fresh cider. Their other speciality is uh, crepe which are basically pancakes. Crepe. Uh, crepe. Uh, pancakes where you get like ham and cheese and potato and fresh uh, salad and stuff it's really good so I don't know if I'll have a chance to have a crepe and eat and drink some uh, local cider uh, I don't know if I'll have a chance to do that but it would be nice anyway here I am sun shining it's time for me to find my accommodation I managed to book a room in a shared house using Airbnb I don't know if you know that website very useful website if you're trying to find some accommodation fairly cheap uh, lots of people put their apartments onto Airbnb for example, if you own an apartment in a nice part of the world, you can uh, put it on Airbnb, and that means that when you go away on holiday, you can rent out your apartment to someone, and uh, it's, it's great. You can find really nice places fairly cheap on Airbnb. Really good idea. Air, that's A-I-R-B-N-B.com. Most people know it now. If you don't know about Airbnb, check it out. Great way to find accommodation in different places. Alright, so I've booked a room in a shared house. I don't know much about it. I think that um, I'll probably be sharing, uh, I'll probably have a room in a house owned by some local French people. Anyway, I'll be staying there tonight. So I'm going to find this accommodation, call the person, I think her name is Julie. I'm going to call Julie um, and uh, get into my room in the accommodation, get myself together and then I'm going to head into the centre of town and just check out what's going on. I might have a bit to eat, might have some cider um, and uh, then it's Eddie Izzard's show and all that kind of thing. Alright, good. So I'll catch up with you again in a, in a bit. Bye. Okay, so I'm walking along here, walking over a bridge right now, just on the way to find my accommodation. What I've done is I've hooked up my MP3 recorder to my headphones. So I've got the headphones on, they're plugged into the MP3 recorder. Now it might look, to the average passerby, it might look like I'm just having a telephone conversation with someone and they'll walk past me and they'll think, that's normal, that's just a person talking to someone on a telephone. Um, hopefully that's what they think. They might look at me and they think, and they might think, wait a minute, is that Luke from Luke's English Podcast recording an episode all about going to Normandy to uh, commemorate D-Day and to go and see an, an Eddie Izzard stand-up comedy show? Is that what's happening? They probably won't think that. You never know. Someone might do. The other option is just who's that madman walking around talking to himself that's the other third option that might happen anyway I'm just walking along through the streets of Caen here uh, I'm gonna learn exactly how to pronounce that name um, this evening when I meet some locals I hope or at least just some French people who will be able to teach me how to pronounce it it's quite nice so far it's you know standard sort of uh, French town really um, I haven't really seen the center of it yet um, it's it's a pretty place um, nice tree-lined streets uh, functional uh, traffic layout with um, cycle lanes and things like that it seems all right at the moment but I'm um, not in the center of town yet and I'm just approaching my accommodation 
Hopefully it'll be nice. Let's hope so. It doesn't really matter. All I need is a bed to sleep on this evening, really. And I'll be happy. Um, it could be a late night as well. I hope they'll let me come back in late. Uh, we'll see. I'll let you know what happens on this exciting, this exciting adventure uh, and this extremely dramatic uh, episode of Luke's English Podcast. Will Luke find his accommodation? Will it be comfortable? Will the bed be soft? Will it be hard? Or will it be some sort of combination of the two, which would be sort of like slightly soft, I suppose. Um, will he find all the things he's looking for? What's going to happen? Is Luke going to meet Vladimir Putin and Barack Obama? Can Luke from Luke's English Podcast save the world from uh, repeating itself and by that I mean, can Luke's English podcast uh, prevent World War Three? That's what I'm here to do. Well, I'm not really. That's just a bit of a joke. It's because it's, you know, I can't make too many jokes about that because actually the, the background to what's happened here, it's a little bit serious, isn't it, D-Day? Anyway, I'm just, you know, it's my right to be, uh, to be slightly... What's the word? Light-hearted on this day. We don't have to be all too somber. Ultimately, that's what uh, that's what D-Day was all about, wasn't it? They fought and they, you know, uh, suffered in that way in order to allow us to be happy. So it would be stupid to kind of be all depressed on D-Day. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to make jokes, and I will be respectful of what happened in the past. I mentioned World War Three there. Um, it's a little bit serious because obviously the things are a little bit tense at the moment on the international scene, what with what's going on in the Ukraine and everything. Um, sorry, I should call it Ukraine. It's not the Ukraine anymore. Um, it's interesting that Barack Obama and Vladimir Putin are both here today. Um, hopefully, hopefully that's going to help. The context, the fact they're both in the same place, um, you know, the historical context. I hope that that's going to somehow uh, encourage the two of them to come to some kind of diplomatic agreement of, of some sort as a way of avoiding any conflict. So I, I really hope that's possible. Um, I realise that people listening to Luke's English podcasts, a lot, a lot of you, in fact, um, maybe most of you, well, uh, wait a minute. Okay. A lot of you might be Russian, some of you might be Ukrainian, and, and a lot of you are from that region of the world. I look at my statistics on my website, I can see that the top countries who listen to Luke's English podcast are Russia. Also, I've got lots of people in Spain, in Italy, in Brazil, but Russia, Ukraine, Poland. Poland aren't really directly involved in the Ukraine situation, but um, anyway... I expect that a lot of you listening to this have got your own views on what's going on on the international political scene. Um, I'm sure you've got plenty of very well-informed, very well-educated views about everything. Um, what's interesting to me is that ultimately everyone's, you know, everyone's human, aren't they? Everyone's just normal human beings, and yet we're subjected to media coverage of what's going on 
um, media coverage which is not necessarily completely objective. It's very hard to be completely objective when you're covering a story. In fact, total objectivity doesn't really exist. There's always going to be some subjective um, influence in the way that a story is covered. What I'm tr getting at is that perhaps the people in Russia are um, sort of consuming the story of what hap what's happening in Ukraine in their own way, and the people in the West, let's say, are consuming the story in another way. So the views of what's going on, or at least the vision of what's going on that's being presented to people, is different. And so, you know, I guess the a lot of people in Russia will be convinced that, um, you know, that Putin is right. I'm sure a lot of people in Russia are convinced that he's not right as well. Um, a lot of people in the U.S. think that uh, you know it's pretty black and white that Obama is the good guy and Putin's the bad guy. But I'm sure it's not as simple as that. I'm sure it's far more complex than just good and bad and right and wrong. Um, it's a very deeply complex and difficult situation, which has to be handled with some kind of care and some kind of uh, uh, understanding of the subtlety and the nuance of what's going on. Um, it's a it's a potentially very dangerous situation. I hope that um, the leaders of these two countries manage to come to some kind of diplomatic agreement in order to avoid violent conflict, because that's just the worst, isn't it? That's the absolute worst case scenario. I hope that the historical context of being here in Caen today is going to, you know, encourage them to aim for that sort of diplomatic agreement. Maybe I'm looking ahead too much, maybe I'm being a bit dramatic. I don't know if there is a genuine suggestion of some kind of conflict on a large scale. I don't think so. Uh, but nevertheless, I think you know what I'm saying. Putin, Obama, let's just have a nice weekend in Normandy. And let's be friends, and let's all eat ice cream and drink cider. Let's just get pissed together and not worry about anything. Mm, maybe I'm being idealistic. Anyway, it's time for me to go and find my accommodation, and then I'll let you know what it's like. Um, I expect it's going to be okay, because as I said, all I need is a bed to sleep on. Um, all right, so catch up with you again soon. Okay, I've nearly found my accommodation. I just wanted to tell you this. I'm walking through the streets here, and I'm walking past. I've just found a music shop. And it's cool. I just wanted to tell you that I like. I just found a music shop, and it's got some guitars in the window. And I'm just a complete sucker for guitar shops. Okay, it's just one of my things that I love. I can't walk past a guitar shop without stopping and looking in the in the window for as long as I can get away with. If I'm with my girlfriend, then she she will sort of wait with me for probably about a minute before she gets impatient. I can stay here for ages just looking at all the guitars in the window. They've got, I mean, okay, the guitars they, they've got in this shop are not super rare, expensive Fenders and Gibsons. We've got fairly cheap, um, affordable guitars, Tanglewoods, Squire, Stratocasters, things like that. They've also got some skateboards in there. That's quite a cool shop. It's a good shop. They've got a Fender cap. They don't have a Fender guitar. They've got a Fender Squire Stratocaster. You're probably thinking at this point, Luke, we don't, we don't need to know all this guitar stuff. You're probably thinking, I know how your girlfriend feels. Move away from the guitar shop, Luke. No one else is as interested in it as you are. I bet there are some people out there who are, who are kind of like, oh cool, a guitar shop. I know how that feels, Luke. We love guitar shops. I wish, if I had loads of money, I would buy all of the guitars <laughs> in this shop. I wouldn't really. Some, I think some of these guitars are a bit crap, but uh, most of them 
are nice. There's a nice Fender acoustic bass there. 513 euros. Hmm, not bad. I don't think Fender are known for making acoustic instruments. They're not known for making acoustic basses. So if you, if I was going to buy an acoustic bass, I don't think I would buy that one. But it's still, it looks nice. Very big, very long neck. Right, okay, I'm moving away from the guitar shop now. I just had to say that. Just had to talk about the guitars for a little bit. So be they're beautiful things, aren't they? Guitars. Beautiful shape. They're very aesthetic items, and they make lovely sounds, especially if they're very good quality guitars. They make beautiful sounds, so I think it's fine for me to love guitars and love the way they look, because they're generally good, beautiful things that uh, make the world a better place. It's better than like loving guns or something, isn't it? Some people, are, you know, they have they collect guns and they worship guns. It's like, what's the what's the beauty of that? I understand that a gun is a very well designed, functional item. There is something impressive about a gun when you see one and hold one. They they do kind of they're heavy and they're so well designed and well put together. But ultimately, the point of a gun is to kind of kill something, a, a person or if it, or an animal or something. There's not. I mean, you might say, okay, a gun is used for self-defense, and that's good. It's, you can use it to defend your family. But ultimately, the point of a gun is to, to kill, isn't it? Or to, to, you know, inflict pain on someone. So, sorry, I can't really, can't really go for it in the same way as I go for a guitar or even a skateboard. No, guitars every time. Thank you very much. In fact, most musical instruments I find to be beautiful items. Do you agree with me? Do you love musical instruments? Not just the way they sound, but just even the way they look. They're, they're beautiful inventions. If you agree with me, leave a comment, of course, on the website. Bit of podcast news for you, ladies and gentlemen, while I'm on my way here to the accommodation. I have launched a new website. Um... Am I going to tell you about it? The thing is, it's under development. It's not ready to go live yet. It's not ready to go public. But very soon I'll tell you the URL of my new website. You can find it. And uh, It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to look a little bit different. But ultimately, it's going to be very good for Luke's English Podcast because I'll have more control over it. Okay? But I'm working on it. It's not quite ready to go live yet. You'll find out when that's going to happen. And then you'll be able to check out my fresh new website. To be honest, at the moment, or at the beginning, the content's going to be pretty similar. But ultimately, it'll allow me to put more stuff on there. I'll be able to control the, the way it looks a little bit better. It's going to be fresher. Okay, that's mainly for me um, at this stage. But, uh, you know, watch this space, as it were, because there'll be a new website coming soon. All right, time to definitely find the accommodation now. And we'll find out about the bed quality. See you? No? Speak to you in a minute. Okay, I have to tell you this. I've found the address, and uh, it's um, it's right above. I think the apartment is right above a bar. Okay, which is not a good sign because usually bars, obviously they they stay open late and they you get lots of noise and stuff. Uh, this bar is called Mozzies. Uh, Mozzies meaning mosquitoes. And that also isn't a good sign because we don't like mosquitoes, do we? Oh no, we don't. And it says, um, Mozzies bar from dusk till dawn. 
does that mean that this bar is going to be open until dawn? It's quite possible. Um, so <clears throat> it might be a bit of a late night tonight. I wonder if I'm going to get any sleep. But I imagine the sounds of a noisy bar uh, coming from the street below my room. But we'll see. It doesn't matter because tonight I might be up all night anyway because it's one of those nights. It's a Friday. It's the anniversary of D-Day. It's going to be a big sort of celebration. Well, not a celebration. It's going to be a big commemoration in town. I think I'm going to call the contact uh, for this apartment and uh, get into the room. Okay, here we go. Okay. So, I've been in the apartment. I met a, a guy called Thomas, otherwise known as Thomas, and he showed me around. So, in fact, it turned out I wasn't um, in the apartment above the mozzie bar from dusk till dawn. No, I was actually a few doors away. So that's nice, isn't it? I wasn't above the the noisy bar, but it turns out I'm still above a bar, just a different bar. This one is called O-Rock. O-Rock. It's huge as well. It's a massive glass-fronted bar with lots of like records, sort of, you know, pictures of records of designs on it. O-Rock. Uh, which could even be noisier than the, than Mozzie's. We'll find out later on, I suppose. Uh, but, uh, as I said, doesn't matter really. It, it, I really don't mind. Um, because I'm not here for, for a peaceful night's sleep. I'm here to check out the show and just to see what's going on uh, in Caen today. It's gonna, it might be quite a noisy affair today. Um, I've, I keep seeing images on the news of what's going on. Lots of pictures of like loads of people standing in line and uh, soldiers arriving in jeeps and uh, Vladimir Putin and Francois Hollande walking along um, and pictures of the American graveyard down by Omaha Beach. Um, interesting stuff going on here today. So what I'm going to do now is just walk in, walk, I'm walking towards the place where Eddie Izzard's concert, concert, Eddie Izzard's gig is going to happen. I'm walking towards there now. That's going to start in about two hours, so hopefully I'll have time to just sit down in a nice peaceful place. Peaceful, we'll see. We'll see if it's peaceful in every sense. Hopefully it will be. And uh, have a little drink and just chill. And if I get the opportunity, I'll talk to you a little bit more about D-Day in slightly more calm conditions. And I'll talk to you about what happened on that day. Because I've read about it, I've read books about D-Day. Quite interested in it. I've seen Saving Private Ryan, as, as you probably have too, that Steven Spielberg movie. It's quite an incredible story, what happened. So, I'm not an expert on it by any means. I don't know all the numbers and all the facts and figures. But at least I'll... I know generally the story and I know how significant it is and impressive so I'll tell you about it later once I've had a chance to sit down and uh, chill out a little bit all right so I'll catch up with you again in a minute here we go I've just realized I didn't tell you about the bed I was going to tell you I was going to give you my bed report was it hard was it soft well the bed seems to be it's it's not completely hard it's just under being hard, so it's kind of like medium hard, which is a good thing. I like a, I like a solid bed. I'm that kind of guy. I don't like these super soft beds. They're not good for my back. I like a fairly solid bed. It gives me a lot of support for the old spine, you see. So I'm quite happy. It's basic, what I've got. It's a pretty basic room. There, it seems that there's like three people living there, and I've got a large room above the living room, and 
there's like a simple bed on the floor it's like a futon style thing with a metal frame simple metal frame um, just with a mattress on top in the middle of the room fine it's exactly what I needed I just needed a room with a bed in it and that's exactly what I got friendly guy called Thomas fine let's just find out what O-Rock is going to be like later on this evening. It could be a good place to have a drink. I think it's perfect. Good, so that's my bed report. And later on, you'll hear my D-Day report. Okay, that's it for this little mini part of this D-Day diary. And I'll catch up with you in a minute once I've had a chance to sit down. If something happens, if something dramatic happens between now and then, I will let you know. At the moment, it's pretty, it's pretty sort of uneventful. The most eventful thing is that I saw a bed. That's the most exciting thing that's happened so far. Um, it's certainly less exciting than what was going on here exactly 70 years ago, which was, well, far more exciting, but significantly more dangerous as well. I say that, I mean, I am walking in the cycle lane, which is quite a dangerous thing to do because the bikes are coming through here pretty quickly. Uh, don't worry, listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, I, I'm able to avoid the bikes, it's fine. So it's not like there's no danger here, but it's nothing like as dangerous as it was 70 years ago. When, indeed, my granddad, Dennis, was he was probably here or at least approaching the town or maybe leaving the town or something but 70 years ago today to this very day my granddad was in Caen or in the region of Caen fighting fighting the Nazis it's, it's amazing that my granddad was like a war hero it's incredible to think about it that we've seen all these Hollywood movies I know they don't present a realistic version but we've seen Hollywood movies of like people like Indiana Jones fighting the Nazis and then there was my granddad Dennis actually doing it for real I don't think he's like super proud of it it's not something he talks about a lot in fact I think it was so sort of horrible really that he just wants to forget about it these days he is more willing to talk about it. I think he's kind of come to terms with it. Um, but for most of his life, really, he, it's not something I think he wanted to revisit a lot because it was mainly painful and horrible experience, which is understandable, isn't it? Um, so, anyway, I'm a bit lost at this point. <laughs> I've just realised I'm walking and I don't know where I'm going. So I'm going to stop recording and get myself uh, sorted out, find out exactly where I am, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, good. Right, so I walked through the streets of Caen. Yeah, it's hard to pronounce. It is hard to pronounce. Right, Caen. now, I, f I, found, um, I found my mate Sebastian, who you already know because you've heard him on the podcast before. And uh, we're sitting now on the steps of an église, a church. Yeah. Which, which church is this? Uh, I think it's called... Um, église de Vaucelles. Vaucelles. Vaucelles, yeah. yeah. And it's a nice spot here on the hillside. Very quiet, and it's a beautiful sunny day. It's probably the first one we've had in 2014. In 2014 years. <laughs> yeah. in, in, in this part of the world. In this part of the world. And, and so we're on the steps, and right in front of this restaurant bar where I'm going to be performing later in French. And, uh, and yeah, go ahead. You're performing in French tonight. You're doing a stand-up gig in French, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, a friend, a comic friend of mine who lives in... He uh, 
he uh, is putting together a festival, and this is the first year of the festival, and it's called the Comedy Day. Comedy Day. Comedy Day. And so um, tonight, we're, we're, it's two nights, so it's tonight and tomorrow night in, in Com. Okay, how are you feeling about the gig then? Oh, fine. Totally fine. Well, I, I performed last night in Switzerland, and uh, I performed a half hour, and tonight I'm performing 15 minutes, so I'm pretty laid back about that. Very good. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Excellent. Now, um, what was I going to say? I'm so relaxed now, Sebastian, that uh, I'm, I'm almost so relaxed that uh, I'm unable to podcast. But <laughs> that's very rare, I and mean, that doesn't happen very often, that I'm unable to podcast. But I think it's leaving Paris yeah. that automatically you realize, like, most of the world is like this, relatively quiet and laid back. Yeah. And then once you leave the stress of Paris and come to a place like this, you're, like, the fatigue that you've been accumulating in all those months by living in Paris kind of just come out, and you, I think that's when you, you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm really a tired person. I think what's what I'm experiencing right now is is what's commonly known as oxygen, because <laughs> like, in Paris we don't have much oxygen. People don't have there, there are certain things that people don't have in Paris. One of them is patience. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say time, which is kind and of time same, yeah. is kind of related to yeah. that. The other thing is oxygen. Yeah, because this this uh, you don't realise until you leave. You come out into a place like this in Normandy, where you, fresh air, oxygen actually exists in the world. Yeah, it's the same in London. London's got its own eco system it's like a little a cloud of, of smog exactly there's yeah. a cloud of smog that uh, covers London and when you leave London you suddenly realize my god now I'm really actually breathing clean yeah. air again but you only notice it when you leave yeah. you notice it only when you when you arrive you know the first day and then you get used to it and then you'll you notice it when you you leave and you're like well I can actually totally breathe in and it doesn't hurt yeah. it's fine and it's colder because whenever you go out of yeah. London it, normally you go north and it's it's usually no, but markedly I, colder. Cities are known to be warmer than the countryside. Yeah. Because of the concrete, apparently. Yeah, the, and the, the pollution. The, the concrete absorbs the heat. And the body heats too many people. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> all the air conditioning. And the all air conditioning. air conditioning pumps out all the hot air into the streets. But that's not a problem in France because they don't have air they conditioning. They don't have air conditioning. They, they practically do not have air conditioning. Tokyo is, is just the hottest place on earth in the middle of August. You go into central Tokyo at about 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. in the evening. After the whole city has been baked uh, by the sun, yeah. and all the concrete, all the stone in Tokyo is just now just uh, producing, bringing that, pushing all that heat back out into the street, and there's all this air conditioning pumping out the heat from inside the buildings. It's incredibly hot in that town. Ma Manhattan is similar. Yeah, New York yeah. is very similar. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if my listeners are in cities like that that are extremely hot, or if they're in places where they have access to oxygen. Wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're enjoying listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Now, I wanted to ask you, Sebastian, mm -hmm. how to pronounce the name of this town. Yeah, uh, it took me uh, 10 years to yeah. be able to pronounce it. It's Caen, like, like as if you're asking when in French. It's the same pronunciation. Okay. Caen. Like, it, well, this is one of those hard uh, French uh, vowels. The the well, anything that's e n or a n is yeah. a uh, sound, which I, it doesn't exist in many languages. I don't think. What? So yeah. Sorry. The the thing that I'm nervous about, you see, when I say the the name, yeah. is that I'm aware that there's another word in French which means idiot. Oh no, that's con. See, for me, they sound con, con, and con. What's the difference between the word for idiot and the word for yeah. this town? Well, one is uh, con, and the other is con. So con, con is more nasal. Okay. Con. 
And the other is con. Oh, it's more roads. So it's, I don't. I mean, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> no, it sounds like you know. It's, well, yeah, this is con et con. Con et con. And, and this is this is the nasal one that we're in. This is the throat one. This is con. The, 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 this is con. The idiot is a con. Okay. All right. Good. And w- the the difficult thing must be when you meet an idiot who comes from yeah. con. Uh, uh, con de con. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's hard to say. Now, there's another town in France, down in the south, where they have a movie festival every yeah. year. It recently happened. What's that place? Cannes. So it's actually pronounced Cannes. Yeah, that's Cannes. What's difficult also is that the people... If, let me, I, uh, I'm not sure if I get this right. Because someone who comes from Cannes, I think, is a Cannois. Okay. And someone f- f- who comes from Caen is a... A conte? <laughs> a conte. No, I, I forget. I forget. Should be a conte. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll ask someone uh, what, what uh, someone from Caen is called. Okay. It's like a conne or something. No, I, I don't know. Never mind. We'll, we'll, we can find out later. We can find out. All right. Now, Sebastian, you're American, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to you to be here today on the 6th of June, the 70th anniversary of D-Day? Well, I, I thought it was going to be something more special than it is because I, I was expecting like you were, just like that there was going to be fanfare all over the city. Yeah. But no, it's been all on the coast, which I guess is logical. Mm. Uh, so on the beaches on the coast, which are well, like a half, not even a half hour away apparently. But in the city, it doesn't feel like anything is happening. Yeah. Uh, you, but then if you're asking symbolically, does it mean anything to me? Well... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Let me just say, by the way, just to add to what you just said, that when I arrived, and my listeners arrived with me because I podcasted as soon as I came out. Well, I podcasted on the train in the toilet, yeah. and then I podcasted... Uh, I didn't just podcast in the toilet, I did other things too, but uh, we don't need to know about that. Um, did record it? No, I didn't record that part. Um, I don't think that's really... I don't know if, that, if anyone really... Yeah, I don't think anyone cares about the sounds of... Uh, well, I mean, you could call it the sounds of English, I suppose. It's, it's a kind of English. It's, it's Luke talking out of his ass again. Uh, but anyway, um, no, I, I did do some podcasting on the toilet, and I also... In the toilet, sorry, I wasn't on the toilet. There's a, there is a difference, isn't yeah, there, yeah, between the, being in the toilet and being well, on the, the toilet. British people, in, in the toilet for us is you are literally inside the... The basin. The basin of the toilet. Okay. Because yeah. we don't call the, the actual room a toilet. We call it a, a bathroom, a washroom, or a restroom, as Paul Taylor says. Paul. We don't do any one of those three... Uh, actions in there, but we call it either bathroom, restroom, <laughs> or washroom. You don't actually have a bath. You don't wash. Well, you, you should wash you should a little wash. bit, oh. and you don't rest really. No, you go in there to to well to to do a number one or a number two. Yeah. Uh, are there other numbers? Let's not go into that right now. Um, <laughs> Depends on how much alcohol you drink. <laughs> it, it, it does depend on how much alcohol you've drunk. Okay. Right. So, um, what was I saying? I arrived uh, at the station. I didn't really talk about it much when I arrived because I was just dealing with it. But when I arrived, I did expect to see just crowds of people and loads of stuff going on and Vladimir Putin and the Queen like dancing and Barack Obama sort of, I don't know, singing. Juggling juggling like uh, hand grenades and yeah. like soldiers weeping and women sort of crying and stuff um, I expected to see drama and fanfare as I, 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 I thought we were going to see uh, Merkel on, on a unicycle yeah that would have been just, cool. just like some sort of circus event style celebration yeah. of joy over the fact that um, 
like D-Day happened. It's weird, isn't it? Don't you think it's a little bit weird? Like, do you consider it to be a celebration? You uh, are. It's a commemoration, what they call. But I feel like it's becoming more of a, almost like a, a G20 thing, because uh, apparently uh, they invited the Ukrainian president and Putin and the Ukrainian president met met briefly and they discussed things. So it's becoming like an excuse for world leaders to meet, which uh, I don't think was the case years before. And because uh, I was reading in, in Le Monde about this, it was a, it was like the, all the commemoration that has been done ever since D-Day uh, on the, on the French side at least was always considered like a military thing. You know, it was like a mil military people would come, and it's only since Mitterrand 1984 apparently that like invited world leaders, and it became more of a political thing and more of like almost a celebration uh, of like let's get all uh, let's get along together kind yeah. of. Uh, well, I think that's quite appropriate, really, considering yeah. you know the terrible things that happened here 70 years ago and how it should have been avoided if possible. I mean, it, uh, it's slightly different, I suppose, in the context of World War II and the Nazis and all that sort of thing, slightly different, but still, ultimately, uh, the context is that terrible things happened and let's try and uh, prevent it happening ever again. So I'm glad that uh, Putin and the Ukrainian leader, I uh, forgive me, I don't know his name. Pachensko? Uh, uh, well, yeah, let's yeah, not get it wrong. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's just say that much. I, I'd rather just say I don't know than to get it wrong. Um, but anyway, um, that all these world leaders are here. I think that's a very good thing that they're well, willing to... It re it's only recent that the German leader agreed to come. It's like, I think it's only been like 10 years. Uh, it was like 10 years ago was the first time the German uh, leader at the time decided to, to come yeah. uh, to commemorate because, well, it's their, it was their loss. So yeah. the I think he was there was the German leader that was inv invited in like 84 and 94 when he didn't come because it's like, I'm not going to go to commemorate the loss of a battle, you know. Yeah. But I think after a while they they gave in and saw that like it, the importance of of kind of bringing it all together, the importance of the context and how ultimately the drive, the aim should be let's prevent something like this ever happening again. So in light of recent events, you know, in Ukraine and so on, um, let's just hope that the, the, the context of D-Day helps to push things in the right direction. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So yeah, I, I thought that when I arrived at the train station, there would be loads of celebrations going on, but it seems that most of those celebrations are happening elsewhere, as you say, near the beaches um, and uh, on the coastline. So here we are, now just sort of relaxing in the sunshine, and it's beautiful, isn't it? We just heard the bells of the church above us, yeah. and the sounds of cars and French people chatting. It's a lovely scene here in, in Caen. In Caen, yeah. yeah. I wanted to say one another thing that I found out today, was I, I thought that um, this might be another reason why there weren't that many people here today, is because the city of Caen wasn't liberated until like mid-July. Yeah, the, the, that's right. The, the fighting was really brutal here. It was really, really tough. Caen got absolutely smashed to pieces. Not necessarily by the uh, Axis forces. The Allies actually were responsible for a lot of the damage that occurred here. It's like, I don't know how much you know about it. I know a bit. I don't, I'm not an expert on it, but I know that, for example, um, 
um, as part of the whole D-Day operation, um, the Allies bombed the whole Normandy area massively yeah. in advance of the invasion, because obviously, I mean, there, there were various stages to the invasion. The first thing was that um, they, the, the Allies bombed the whole area to, to try and take out as many of the German forces and defences as possible. Then the resistance, the French resistance, were able to um, take out a lot of the uh, communication lines and train tracks and things, effectively cutting off the entire area. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Um, um, what else? Then the uh, uh, airborne troops landed. The 101st Airborne Americans. Yeah, the, the parachutes. Uh, the paratroopers. Paratroopers. Also, British forces in um, in gliders, wooden gliders, landed behind enemy lines and did various important sabotaging things. things. Exactly, sabotaging. They took uh, some key bridges. Mm -hmm. um, must have been pretty scary landing right in the heart of German-occupied Normandy yeah. uh, to, to, to do like to take out guns and to occupy bridges that would um, make a massive difference to the whole uh, D-Day operation yeah. like if they'd failed their mission all of those soldiers who'd landed at the beaches could have been killed you know yeah. um, then after that um, uh, a huge armada of ships like the biggest collection of ships that we've ever this has ever been seen on earth and ever you know even to this day there hasn't been a collection of ships gathered together in such large numbers as there were on that day and um uh, warships bombarded the uh, coastline, um, the Normandy coastline, where there was the um, basically the Germans had set up their defences. They were bombarded by uh, bombers first, and then warships sent uh, shells and rockets into the, the beaches to take out as much of the defences as possible. Uh, then the boats came in, and the infantry landed on the beach. Uh, British, Canadian, and American forces, and other forces too, including. French people, French soldiers who had managed to get to Britain and then came back to liberate their own country. Um, we know that m most of the beach operations were fairly successful. Like, luckily, the, the, the British and Canadian troops, although they had to fight, the aerial campaign had taken out m most of the defences. But unfortunately, at Omaha Beach, famously, we see it at the beginning of the movie Saving Private Ryan, Omaha Beach, um, because of the weather conditions, uh, the bombers couldn't see their targets, and so the bombs that they dropped, trying to... Attack the, the bunkers. They didn't take out the German bunkers. They didn't take out the German lines of defence. And so, when the American infantry did arrive um, on very choppy water, it wasn't a smooth landing at all. When they did arrive, they arrived in the wrong place as well uh, because of the weather, and they were faced by a fully equipped German um, defence, basically artillery. Yeah, artillery, machine guns, snipers. Um, it was. It must have been horrendous. Yeah. Um, it. Th 
they, they weren't the best uh, German troops, they weren't the best Nazi troops available, uh, but they were pretty well equipped and well defended, and the conditions were not favourable for the Americans. And we see it in the film, you know, it, it must have been awful. It wasn't just that the machine guns were shooting at them, but the fact that the, the, the ships that landed uh, struggled in the, in the difficult water conditions. A lot of the, these um, ships were carrying tanks. The ships sank just because they couldn't deal with the unsettled water. Yeah. And so a lot of tanks just went into the water. Tanks with men in them. Huh. Uh, the ships went down. Um, on the uh, um, on the coastline, the Germans were not only using machine guns and snipers; they had anti-aircraft guns, guns that are normally used to sh fire into the air to shoot planes. They had pointed them down uh, onto the beach. These are 88, um, um, I don't know what artillery, you know, guns sh firing. 80, they called them 88s. These are huge anti-aircraft guns that they were, yeah, they were firing these cannons into the uh, water, taking out boats as they were coming in. It must have been horrendous. The water apparently was just, you know, blood red. Yeah. Two and a half thousand men died just in just in the morning. Two and a half uh, thousand Americans. Two and a half thousand. Well, I well, think there uh, were, yeah, two and a half thousand Americans died on Omaha Beach, um, and it and in the context of some conflicts that we know of doesn't seem like that many but when you think that it was just in one single operation yeah. that is a lot and and uh, in a small beach uh, all these men running up the sand being shot horrible if you've seen Saving Private Ryan you'll know That's what it's like. That's probably the best uh, well the cinematically speaking the most uh, uh, evocative evocative and uh, illustrative yes uh, there's also precise there's another word um, Re like realistic 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 yeah. I think I, I do think some people think it's a bit exaggerated that opening sequence I don't think, I don't so. think so I think that's what it was like yeah. having read the, the, the descriptions I think that's what it must have been like um, my granddad landed at D-Day oh really yeah he um, he was obviously one of the British infantry men who went onto the beach. He was an officer leading a uh, platoon, I suppose, of men. Mm -hmm. um, he landed at I can't remember, to be honest, if it's Juno Beach or Sword Beach, but it's one of the two. Um, he didn't. They didn't have the same amount of trouble as the Americans at Omaha, thankfully. Um, um, but it's still, it must have been horrible. I, I, he hasn't talked about it much in his life, because I think it's probably just something he'd rather not dwell on. Yeah. It's something he'd rather just forget about, because why would you want to relive it? But he, when he has talked about it, he's described, for example, the fact that he felt so seasick. Because these guys were on the boats for the, the, hours. The kind of barges just waiting, right? Yeah, they weren't really, really top quality boats. They were yeah. very basic. And these guys were in the sea for four or five hours or more. Yeah. Um, they, they'd been given, apparently, Christmas pudding as their, their, the last meal they, they were given. I don't know why they were given Christmas pudding. It wasn't Christmas. Yeah. Christmas pudding is a very rich kind of, um, sort of cake with fruit and lots of fat and sugar in it. I think probably for morale. Uh, for morale and, and probably energy also, right? Yeah. I think it's kind of something that gives
gives you energy. But you know, I think the main reason would be morale. But unfortunately, this rich food in the stomach when you're on such um, rough water, yeah, all of the men were sick. <laughs> and apparently my granddad felt so bad even before he'd arrived. Yeah. You know how you feel when you're really seasick or, you know, when you're really sick to the stomach and you've been throwing up, you know how bad you feel. Yeah. Imagine then <laughs> having to attack the Nazis <laughs> yeah. with, a, with feeling like that. Yeah, not knowing if you're going to live the, through the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I've felt pretty bad in my life, Sebastian, when I've maybe had too much beer or something and I've, you know, <laughs> had to throw up, you know, what it's like. Um, but imagine feeling like that and then having to go to war. No yeah. thanks to work. <laughs> it's hard enough to go to bed in that yeah. in that state. Uh, let alone go and storming a beach. Yeah, storming into France and then, you know, just not knowing when it's going to end. <laughs> Jesus. And so your, your grandfather was there for the whole operation of yeah. Normandy? Yeah, yeah. They, he fought in here in Caen and he, he went all the way through France, all the way into the Netherlands. Um, so yeah, he did a full campaign um, and I don't know quite to what extent he... Um, I don't know how severe the fighting was that he was involved in but I know he won a, a medal uh -huh. he won the Victoria Cross I think which means that he was outstandingly brave he led a platoon of men, and the, I've read some of the reports. Apparently, he took out machine gun posts, and he led uh, um, these men to take out machine gun posts. And if you've seen Band of Brothers and yeah. these other shows, you know what that involves. It's like, you know, imagine there's a hilltop with a machine gun on it, and you've got to go and kill the guys inside that that uh, machine gun hold. Without losing, uh, without losing your men, yeah. you've got to be incredibly brave to run towards a machine gun and and strategic. Yes, and you've got to keep your head. I mean, I don't know if he, for example, fired his weapon. I, I don't know, but he must have done some pretty brave and and difficult things. So you know, thanks, Granddad. Basically, <laughs> uh, it's probably appropriate just to say you know that we. That we're able I don't know to what extent we're able to be doing what we're doing now because of what they did but we know that it certainly helped definitely um, yeah anyway I don't mean to be to include such sobering thoughts at this point of the evening no well I think it's important to talk about it because I, I learned stuff by what you just said so uh, you know there, there are lots of details I don't know about and so no it's very interesting and um, what I talked about this morning on the radio partly is is to what extent also we hardly talk about the eastern front of this war yeah and how the the russians had already were pushing the nazis back that kind of also allowed d-day to happen yeah. was that i mean the most of the fighting of world war ii happened on the eastern yeah. front and i learned this recently the exact figure 27 million russians died it's, it's, well, Soviets, 27 yeah. million. They're by far the the biggest uh, casualty of, of World War II, yeah. and, and we don't talk about it nearly as much as we should. Yeah, absolutely. The Russians lost more than, than anyone. Uh, the Soviets, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, brutal fighting in the East, and they, the, the Nazis couldn't do it. They couldn't take Stalingrad. Yeah. Um, Stalingrad, my goodness. I watched a documentary about that. Fight. About just, just Stalingrad, yeah. Wow. That was it. That was. I would be interested to see that. I, I, I was watching this documentary about the the whole war, but I would like to because yeah, I, I, I 
saw at, to what extent Stalingrad was key. That that was the main. I mean, that was the beginning of the end for the Nazis. And and I mean, you know, it was tough for everyone. But you you know how tough it was when basically the Nazi soldiers who were fighting there got uh, kind of got abandoned in the end. Yeah. Um, and you know the 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 the, 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 ta- the city got smashed to bits absolutely smashed to bits they were fighting a lot of the time hand to hand the Soviet or Russian soldiers um, had these these spades you know that they used for digging trenches and they sharpened them and these became their weapons and they were using them hand to hand street to street conflict you know like literally through fighting under the, the, the collapsing buildings uh, room to room yeah um, it's insane I've, have you ever played a computer game called uh, C- uh, Call of Duty? No. It's very popular, though. It's an extremely popular computer game. I played Call of Duty World uh, World of War. Yeah. And it's basically there are two modes in the game. One where you play an American soldier in the Pacific War uh-huh. fighting the Japanese. Harsh game. Yeah. I Seriously bet. harsh. I, I bet it's very graphic. As oh, well. my God. Like, I was playing it. I bought it thinking, this must be a great game. Everyone's reviewed it so well on the internet yeah. I bought it went home started playing it next thing you know I'm like murdering <laughs> Japanese people um, in high definition <laughs> you know like like it's really really almost upsetting because you know I know a lot of Japanese people I know how sensitive the whole uh, situation is and you know it's 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 weird to be playing it as a game you know like there's scenes where you are attacking Japanese people in their trenches and you've burned Burning people alive with with uh, um, flamethrowers, yeah. and that like a Japanese soldier attacks you, and he pins you down, and this is all first-person perspective. And the only way you can get him is you have to press the B button, and you stab the guy in the throat with a with your with your um, bayonet. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah. How am I supposed to be enjoying this? <laughs> it's really weird. The other the other mode in the game is when you play as a Russian soldier in Stalingrad, oh, okay, well. and it's they're leading the the fight back against the Nazis. I think, it, I'm pretty sure it's Stalingrad. Probably, uh, that's, yeah, that's uh, the key uh, battle that really turned the tide. Although it's a computer game, it does give you a certain idea of what it must have been like fighting room to room, you know, hand to hand combat in, in a lot of cases. So, wow, war is hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good, good way to conclude all that. <laughs> um, so how are we going to bring this back now to like light-hearted, sort of uh, light-hearted fun banter? Well, we, we could come back to the fact that we're s- still sitting on the steps of a, of a, of a church. Uh, and I just almost broke a glass. Um, and, and here we're back in 70 years after. Uh, yeah, did it, se- 70 seven, years. 70 years. Uh, yeah, uh, then there's another joke I said in, in, my, in my thing, yeah. which is uh, talking about 70 years. My dad was born on June 7th, oh, 1944. Yeah. Oh, really? The, literally the day after D-Day. Uh, E-Day. 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 <laughs> E-Day. What's your dad's name? <laughs> Fernando. F-Day? F- F-Day, yes. F-Day. Well, uh, uh, Fernando is... 
he's called Fernando because he was born in Argentina. My parents are right. from Argentina. And so he was born in, in Buenos Aires on, on June 7th, 1944. And so uh, the day he was born, my grandfather, his father, like didn't even care. He was like re just reading the paper all about D-Day. It was like obsessed with D-Day. You well, know. Your, your, your grandfather was like, oh yeah, my son was born. But anyway, D-Day. Oh yeah, finally we're going to beat the Nazis. You know, and, and you know, my grandmother's like, but you have another son. And he's like, yes, but. Uh, so and so so that's I'm going to celebrate that. Uh, I'm going to call him tomorrow for his 70th birthday. Yeah. And um, and you should what you should do is you call him tomorrow. Yeah. Um, about his 70th birthday, but um, don't mention his birthday at all. Just talk about D-Day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear? I was in call, and I should I should like just describe everything that you just said. Just so, like you describe all the battles. It's like I was there where you know in the city and the when when the British soldiers came through and yeah, just not even say. Uh, happy birthday, Dad! At all? I bet he's fed up with D-Day, your dad. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, okay. I wonder if my listeners out there, uh, there's probably listen, people listening to this in far-flung parts of the world, where you you might feel that you're not even connected to D-Day at all. But certainly in Europe, it's like a very big deal, um, and not just Europe, because we know that you know Putin's here and all that stuff. Uh, Vladimir Putin. Yes. Um, what do you make of Putin? Um, well, I, I think it's a good thing that he's here. I, as I, I think, like inviting, I think treating this as a kind of uh, the world beats Nazism kind of celebration. Uh, afterwards, what I think about Putin, I, I don't know enough about. I mean, uh, about the whole Ukraine, I, I don't know enough to it's, to, it's, to, to to make a stand uh, one way or the other. I was thinking earlier on that um, um, it, you know it all depends on like the information that we're getting, doesn't it? Because you know, like in the West, we get our news from you know uh, news uh, agencies that are based here, and we're only getting one side of the story. And you know, a lot of the time, they make Putin seem like uh, uh, like the bad guy. And I'm sure that you know he's involved. I'm sure he's not clean in by any means. But um, you know, it's just it, this. I can't quite work out where the angles are on this whole thing. Like, who's really in the wrong and in the right and I don't know I don't even want to go and there that, that's the thing is you never know I don't even know I, I feel like it's just the leaders who actually really know what's going on and and even you know them I'm not even sure if they know the whole story you know I mean especially when you're talking about something uh, uh, so, so specific as, as these two countries and their history as an American where of course we're Americans we're trying to butt into everyone's business and, and be the police of the world which has been good sometimes but often not I don't know if the American uh, politicians know enough about the historical significance about you know between these two countries to be able to say this belongs to you and this belongs to you know you're you're yeah. in the wrong here yeah. uh, where I don't know if we know enough even about that so it's it's very hard to say I don't think we can get involved in it and I think at this point in Luke's English podcast I'm gonna say I know that you know I'm trying to save the world with <laughs> Luke's English podcast and you know maybe it's possible Sebastian it is possible yeah. well f through uh, modern internet and podcasting everything is possible yeah exactly so I know that you know, everyone listens to Luke's English podcast Sebastian Vladimir Putin he's a regular listener well, yeah, I, I heard that his English has improved ever since he started listening to yeah. Luke's English podcast that's right um, and uh, Obama obviously yeah well obviously right. um, the Queen she she listens she doesn't she, you know she doesn't send me emails very 
often, just once a year. Yeah. She, I get a That's royal... Around Christmas, right? Yeah, a royal... Christmas pudding. Christmas pudding. She sends me some royal Christmas pudding and a royal email. Yeah. And when the email arrives in my inbox, it goes... Duh, 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 like that. It's yeah. the only time. Does it have like a little crown next to the... Exactly. Yeah. Normally, sometimes you get a flag or yeah. a star. Yeah. There's a crown when, she, when I get her email. And it's written not in like Helvetica or, you know, uh, Courier or normal font. It's written in like a special royal font. It's that be- all, like only belongs to her. Yeah, only she can use it. Yeah. Um, and w- I, I, I can r- only read it once. And as soon as I read it, the email deletes itself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's special when she emails me. So I know that uh, HRH, yeah. Her Royal Highness, is listening to this. So, all right, Liz, how's it going? Um, you well, do. She's close. She's, she's not far from yeah, us right she's now. Nearby. She's nearby. I'm going to meet I, up I, with I her later, have a cup of tea. I think she's having a pina colada on, on Omaha Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine they're just chilling out, the three of them, Obama, uh, Putin, yeah. Putin, sorry. Putin, yeah. <laughs> Obama, Putin, and, uh, and the Queen, and Francois Hollande, and Angela Merkel. They're all just sitting around, just drinking pina coladas, smoking cigarettes, and uh, having a lovely time on the beach. I'm sure it's much more formal than, than that. Yeah, they're probably uh, dressed up in tuxedos. This, th- yeah, uh, I expect so, yeah. Um, now, we're seeing Yassine. Are you still going to meet up with Yassine later? Yeah, afterwards. Um, I, I told him to come now, but I think he's doing other things. I don't know what. But, uh, yeah, well, we're all going to go to our respective shows. because I, I, I don't know if Yassine is going to see Eddie Izzard's English show or French show or both. But, um, well, yeah, well, I told him that we should meet up afterwards. Um, so you, the English show is the second show. Is that right? The French show is the last show. Um, all I know is the English show is at 8 o'clock. Okay, yeah, so that's the second show. It's the second show, yeah. is it? Okay. So, so, yeah, we should all meet up afterwards for, for drinks. We're probably going to get out here 10.30 or 11-ish. So. All right. Okay, well, if I come, well, after the Eddie's show, I don't know if I'm going to see Yassine immediately after that, but after seeing Eddie's show, if I don't see Yassine or something else happens, then I'll be coming here. Okay, and great. will I be able to come downstairs and check out your show? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell them that you might be coming, uh, so you'll probably be there around 9, 9.30, 9.30 probably. 9.30. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah probably. We'll probably be, there's an intermission, so it'll probably be around the intermission time, so I'll tell them... Uh, to come well, I'll, uh, when you arrive just say that you're, you're here to see the show and I'll, I'll try to get you I don't know if I can get you an invitation but I'll, I'll try to get you a free ticket sure uh, do you know if they do food here they do do food I just had a, I had a pate was it good it was very good it was, it was a homemade pate what they called um, sorry a pate uh, breton so a pate from Brittany which is ironic because we're in Normandy and I asked them why why are they serving a Brittany pate when uh, we're in Normandy and apparently well it's made by the the owners of this establishment. The establishment is called El Camino, right. which is uh, a rather, rather Spanish name, yeah. which means uh, Le Chemin, which means the, the road, the path. Okay. And and it's Chez Yvonne and René. And, uh, and the pâté said that Yvonne and René 
make this, this this homemade pate. Right. And and uh, Rene, the guy who apparently did, did the pate, his uh, the the recipe is from Brittany. That's why it's it's Brittany pate and not Norman. But I mean, they're next to each other, aren't they? Normandy and Brittany. Yeah. yeah and so there's probably going to be a bit of cross pollination, as it were. Yeah, with between the pigs uh, that that will eventually wind up in the pate. There's yeah. cross pollination. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think I think we're going to stop. Uh, podcasting in just a moment so I'm going to go and see Eddie Izzard's show I don't know if my listeners know really about Eddie Izzard because what I need to do is do a whole episode devoted to Eddie Izzard in which I explain who he is what he's all about and we'll listen to some of his comedy so that my listeners can get an appreciation of who he is for me he's quite inspirational for two reasons one of them is because of his um, his comedy and I just love his style and he's original and he's you know he's done things in stand-up comedy that no one else has done um, and the other thing is because of his language learning um, he's just uh, really positive and uh, driven towards learning other languages he does his comedy in English in his first language he also does stand-up shows in French in German in Russian in Arabic really yeah I he's I don't know if he's done shows in Arabic yet but he's learning Arabic and he's trying to he's going to do some stand-up in Arabic he's he's from I mean he's he, he's he's lived in lots of places but he spent some of his childhood in um, Yemen Oh wow! Um, so he does some have some sort of um, you know let's say Middle Eastern roots or Arabic roots. Um, so he's a fascinating person, and he deserves a, a whole episode of Luke's English podcast devoted to him. There's the, there's a there is a connection because Yassine was on my podcast recently, and uh, we know that Yassine and Eddie are sort of like partners in crime in doing comedy in France, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, well, Yassine opened for him. Uh, every time that Eddie Izzard came to France, Yassine opened for him. And also, they recently went to perform in Madrid, and Yassine opened for him in English, which was uh, quite a challenge for Yassine, being a, a French person, and he, he had never done such a long set in English. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, awesome. Okay, so expect stuff about Eddie Izzard in the future, so you'll know what it's all, what all the fuss is about, basically. Uh, but now I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna head towards this big venue to see Eddie's show. All right, um, not not just yet. I'll go in in about ten minutes or so. Um, all right, so I might catch up with you again later on on the podcast, Seb. Yeah, yeah. great. Well, send me a, a text when you get out, or just come, just come directly here. As you know, I'll be here, and then yeah, we can. Uh, Turn it on again whenever you want. I, I li- I'd like to ask you how the show went, and we'll just talk for a little bit about whatever happens to, you know, come into our brains. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. I, there might be other things that come into my brain after uh, a cocktail or two. Yeah. I'll buy you a drink because I owe you one. Because you bought me a beer just now, so I'm going to return the favor. I'll buy you a cocktail. Well, well, we'll see about that. Okay. All right. Good. Alright, so things got a bit crazy. Shit just got real. <laughs> okay, because, um, okay, I'm now in a car somewhere in Caen. Is yeah. that correct? It's Caen, Caen. Caen. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Fantastico. I'm now in a car in Caen. <laughs> and uh, just seen Eddie Izzard performing his big show in, in German first. I didn't see that. Then he did it in English. Then he did it in French. And he'd he'd flown yeah. just earlier on today. Flown through this sky. 
<laughs> right? God never intended for us to do this, but Eddie did it today. We, he flew through the air in a, a machine called an aeroplane. It's a, that's amazing in itself. Yeah. But he then landed and, and came and did these shows, and I saw it, and I'm here with Yassine. Yassine is here in the car next yeah. to me. Hello, Yassine. Hello. And um, then afterwards, Yassine was like, hey, Mr. Thompson. He had to call me Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson, come here. And uh, he brought me backstage with uh, some other people. And guess what? I, came, I met Eddie Izzard, didn't I? I actually met Eddie Izzard. I shook hands with him. And it's amazing. How, uh, I mean, Yasin, you've met Eddie before. I, mean, I have to admit, I'm a bit starstruck. That's always a pleasure to, to see him. That's yeah. always the same pleasure. Yeah. Yes. What are we doing now? We are podcasting <laughs> and we will eat uh, near from uh, all, all, the, all the group with Eddie. And because that's the end of the show and he, he, uh, he has his big challenge done. Yeah. We can say that we, 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 we do know. He's, 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 he's accomplishment. He's accomplished his challenge. Yes. He's three, finished it. Three show in three hours in three languages. That's done. Yeah. And now it's time to rest and eat. So yeah. we go eat with them. So happy to eat. I'll podcast more later on. But as you can tell, I'm really excited. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. That's the end of part one of this two-part episode, um, but do listen to part two because I'll tell you exactly how it felt for me to meet one of my all-time comedy heroes, Mr. Eddie Izzard. I can't believe it, I still can't believe it now, that I met him, shook hands with him, spent some time hanging out with him and his friends. We had dinner together. He was sitting just like once, just one person away from me. There was me, uh, my friend Yassine, and then Eddie Izzard, just there. I still can't believe it. Um, so listen to part two. I'll tell you how that felt, and you can just find out what happened on my D-Day commemoration adventure. All right? So check out part two. It should be available very soon. Um, that's it for this episode. Stay tuned to find out more. Thanks for listening to this one. But for now, it's goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.